Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Whataburger line Dance halls and women But man, I'm wishing That I was fishing by the river tonight In Texas Howdy, 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 y'all. Howdy, howdy. Welcome back to Tex-ish, the show where we talk about some things Texas and some things not. This is my first sick cast. Yeah, I had mine last week. Now it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I apologize up front to anybody that's actually listening for any sniffles or hacks <clears throat> that you hear on my end of the conversation today. I'm going to do my very best to edit all those out, but it's going to be a, um, a challenge. It, there's going to be a lot of it. Our first sponsor today for this show is Burnt Ends. Burnt Ends. Burnt Ends. Not sponsored by Burnt Ends. We are not sponsored by Burnt Ends. You can ask for them at most barbecue establishments. It is summer. It's the season of barbecue the food. Step one, let's not forget, barbecue is a food. It is not a grill. It is not a verb. It is none of those things. None of those things. It, it, it is, is a only f- a food category. So this summer, as you were hanging out with your friends... Don't say we're going to go barbecue. Say we're going to go grill. We're going to go grill. Or don't say, is that on the barbecue? No, it's on on the the grill. grill. You can say, let's go get some barbecue. And when you do, ask for burnt ends. That is the just moist, wet, fatty, peppery, seasony, crusty end of the brisket that most establishments chop off of the end of the brisket when they pull it out of the smoker. Because it's a little too fatty to actually have on a slice. A little too fatty, a little but, too little too salty, a little yeah, too smoky. For the slice. But everything we're saying is... I mean, is exactly what you want. There's no such thing as no, too salty, too moist. It's just, so next time you're at a barbecue place, if you're in Austin, hit up Curlin, hit up Micklethwaite, hit up Franklin if you want to. Law Barbecue just opened a new spot. Law Barbecue just opened a new spot. That's where I saw Tom Segura <laughs> last go. week. Yeah, yeah. What up, Jeans? And it's maybe not on the menu, but I promise if you ask, hey, can I have a half pound of burnt ends? Don't ask for a half pound, actually. That's way too many. It's way too much burnt ends. A fourth of a pound of burnt ends. They will happily wrap some in some butcher paper for you. Enjoy and take a nap. Here's the pro move. Take home your burnt ends and throw them on some rice with some barbecue sauce. Ooh. That is one of my favorite meals of all time. Barbecue fried rice. Our other not sponsor is Easy Tiger. For when the other tigers are too hard, easy tiger. Easy tiger. We had uh, some pastries from them earlier, and they were absolutely delicious. Oh, I can't so. believe how good that they do their uh, their pretzel bread, but into a cinnamon roll type thing, which no one else does. Nobody else does. That. No, but I've they, never seen that. They freaking should because it was amazing. Well, I don't think any other place could do it. Nah, that's fair because it's so so good. It's I so just good. stood in Seth's kitchen and devoured almost a whole one by myself. Had to make sure <laughs> that I shared another little trick. I know that we're giving you food tricks today. Right? Not. I, sp- I, Sponsored by Not food sponsored hacks by food today. Uh, Easy Tiger has great sourdough as well, and they sell it at HEB here in Austin. Here in Austin I'm not yeah. sure about any other, other places. It's probably places. just local. So um, if you are in Austin, go to HEB, pick up a loaf of their sourdough and a jar of ghee, clarified butter. And or any fancy butter, really. It's just, yeah, any good butter. And toast up that sourdough and lather on some butter. Let it melt a little bit. Oh, So good. Put some burnt ends on top of it. Oh, hey, there you go. Your day would be over after that. <laughs> just that's. Like, <laughs> Apparently, our not sponsors today are designed to make us hungry. Our not sponsors today is brought to you by fat. Brought to you by being fat. Brought to you by fat. It tastes Brought to good, you by bad diet decisions. Makes you feel bad. But those are our not sponsors today. Here comes the sniffle. And we are on to our This Day in Texas this History. This Day in Texas History, everybody. Not a lot happened this day it's okay. Not a in lot Texas History. But I feel like we've had a good string I'd have of thought today. what? At some point, we will have done this for every day. 
True. So we're going to have to find a new segment. But I mean, we eventually. Have, I mean, so we have 349 days left. That's true. Don't forget that. What's going to be hard is when we pull up days and realize, oh, no, we've actually done this day before. That'll that'll Um, be the tough one. On this day in Texas territory history, (laughs) on this day in Louisiana purchase history. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, so I I just feel like we've had a good string of days where there were four or five things that happened. And it's been a mix of, oh, wow. And oh, no, this one's a little more straightforward, but it does lead into a really interesting small town of the week. Okay. Okay, perfect. So on this day, June 5th, in Texas history, in 1931, David Browning Jr. was born. He was a three-time Texas State diving champion and won an Olympic medal in 1952. Not as cool as Babe Benerick. I'm just going to throw that out there. Not near as cool. From now on, because of that one episode, that Texas badass, when I hear any athletic feat, the first thing I'm going to think is, well... It's not. It's not Babe Derrick. It's not Babe Derrick. So it's not that cool. In 1837, the city of Houston was incorporated. It had been founded on August 30th, 1836. So what happens whenever a city is incorporated? What does that mean? I think that means that it's officially a city. A city. We've had. Have we had this whole city like talk before? With uh, well, no, cut we, and shoot. we had uh, cut and shoot, which went from a town to a city. Town because to city. Apparently, you can just apparently decide. you can just say, "Hey, everybody, what do you want to be?" We're a city now. So I think incorporating a area did they incorporate in delaware i that's fine that's for all you accounting people out there that's for you that's an accounting joke everybody because so but that does make me think so in 1836 did a bunch of people just say this is houston and most people in that area said yeah sure we agree maybe there were a few holdouts that were like i don't know about this houston thing i don't know man i'm 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 going to move to cut and shoot. I'm about to cut and shoot. Here they got a great Baptist church out there. But just the whole... We're in a time now where towns aren't getting founded. So we don't know how that works. Fair. So now, because of the past two or three episodes, I think this is how it works. I'm just going to add that to my... Your Google list. Things that we're too dumb to know. Things that we don't know. I think a couple of people say, this is Houston. And Mm. most people say, yeah, sure. And then to make it legit, you incorporate it, meaning when other people enter that area, they will know this is Houston. Sure. It's not just some... Right. It's not just like... It's not like a band you've never heard of, you know? It's it's not like a loose conglomeration of people who just are like, this is Houston. Yeah, it's actually... The post office will deliver your the mail The post there. office, I think that's what it is. The post office says, oh, okay, we sure. have to build a building there. Okay. That's, a, that's a place. People live there. Yeah. If you know, send it to the hate line at Texas.com. Oh, Dude, that hate mail is going to be so fun. It's going to be so full. I've also said four different emails for it at this point. Sure. We'll Eventually link, we'll have a real one. We will link to the real one once we actually publish <laughs> these. And then in 1837, oh, the same year, the Congress of the Republic of Texas, because this is back when right, we were back before we were a, a country, we were a yeah. nation, granted a charter of establishment of a non-sectarian, non-political seminary in Independence, Washington County. Hmm. Which brings us to our small town of the week. Okay. Independence, Texas. Independence, Texas. Kind of an interesting place. Also, I'm glad we had this whole incorporated conversation before this. Independence is an unincorporated community in Washington County, Texas, United States. Okay. I think that must mean that it was incorporated at one point. But now, but now it is not incorporated, meaning that there is no post office there, but okay. it's still a town. It's an unincorporated place, but it's a town located 12 miles northeast of Brenham. Shout out Bluebell. It was founded in 1835 in Austin's colony of Anglo-Americans. Mm. I'm sure that was good. It became a Baptist religious and educational center of the Republic of Texas. In 1845, it became the first site of Baylor University and University of Mary Harden Baylor. Oh, hey. The wealthiest community in Texas in 1845, Independence declined later in the century after refusing to give right-of-way to the Santa Fe Railroad. It was bypassed by the increasing... (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what are you laughing at? (laughs) Just, that's that's so Texas. Hey, can we uh, put our railroad here? No. 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 That's a dumb idea. (laughs) Well, especially I just love that part of the wealthiest community. So all of these rich people came together and said, this whole railroad thing, 
I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think it's a fad. There's a salt mine somewhere around here, and we're going to get so rich. Are you too good for horse and buggy? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You, that's the devil's. It's probably. I, can't, pro- yeah. I guarantee you, there were at least two people there that said railroads, railroads are, are the devil. They, it's the highway to hell. This right. is straight to. This is straight to. Don't bring that bugaboo near mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So technology is a demon. Um, its residents included many prominent early te- prominent people. Of early Texas history, including Sam Houston, while he was a U.S. senator. Oh, hey. The Houston family were well-known members at the Independence Baptist Church. I'm sure they all were. That makes a lot of sense. So, now, Independence is a significant center for religion and education in the Republic of Texas. And today, it is actually considered a legitimate ghost town. Really? So, on the list of ghost towns that are haunted... Independence, Texas. Independence, Texas is one of them. Do they have like a list of ghost sightings and, you know, monuments you can go visit or hotels you can stay at? And potentially they, so you can't stay at a hotel, but it okay. says here that many of the abandoned churches mm-hmm. are, considered are considered very haunted by Jesus. This doesn't seem like a Jesus, like a Jesus type haunting? of haunting. It seems no. like it seems, it like, seems a, like a other person. Sure. You know, yeah. The other guy, Peter. <laughs> he did doubt him uh no uh, satan so uh, yeah if you are into texas history and or it could just be one of those old codgers who didn't want a railroad to go through the town it really could be every night they just wake up no railroads we're still here we're still here i don't care you got no railroad I'm we're still the railroad here out forever <laughs> I really wouldn't be surprised if, if it's... If I can't ride a horse there, I don't need to go. <laughs> I'll be in Independence, Texas forever. Forever. And, yeah, that's... I think the residents of Independence to this day are just those 20 people that sure. said railroads are stupid. Okay. Those are, those are a they bad idea. They never got idea. out, yeah. I do love the idea, again, just that these were the wealthiest people in Texas, but they're equivalent to flat earthers of today. Right. You, no, I, I get what you the, mean. Like, it's it's that thing of, like, the railroad is not a bad thing. <laughs> it's very helpful. It's totally something that we need. The, and there's that group of people who's just like, nah, no, don't want it. Dumb, stupid, not going to last. It's the stupidest thing Bring, ever. Brings crime. Horse. <laughs> brings crime, brings punishment, brings... <laughs> It'll deteriorate our society. You know, one of the things I love the most about doing this is it highlights how little I know. Right, but it also, and it, but it does make me want to learn more, and hopefully along the way we can actually educate ourselves as to this state's history. Well, my hope is that we're not the only ones hearing this stuff for the first hopefully. time. Yeah, I'm sure there's. Some, I'm sure there's. Some, I mean, like I, I'm sure that our our father is like, how dare you not know? I'm sure half of this. Loki, I was telling Dad when sure. we were in Abilene last weekend about the podcast right. and really just how much fun we're having. Oh, dude, it's so just, fun sitting down and talking and the, the structure we have <laughs> what the funniest part was man i'm so glad you guys are trying to educate people on texas history and that's so needed right now and meanwhile we're like we're trying to educate meanwhile dude, like we're just i'm literally googling stuff on right, my phone on the fly, yeah. as we're that was nothing important right no <laughs> Just my printer. Okay, nothing bad. Technical difficulty, folks. So and I, we're back. I agree with Dad on the side of yes, this is at. It's really cool that we're learning, and maybe people listening learn something. But we're not like teaching anybody anything. Oh yeah, this this is not super important. If you want to learn something, you know, listen to uh, History on Fire, uh, Hardcore History, uh, Time Suck, any any of the history podcasts any, that are actually anything that's legitimately history and good. But also, I'm now, I bet, so it could have been the flat earth type of thing, or mm-hmm. it could have been that Betty from down the road sure. had stayed at a hotel once near a railroad station, and it kept her up at night. Right, and they were like, we don't want to And so she started spreading gossip. And just, then everybody died, and all the ghosts kept everybody else up at night. Exactly. So ultimately, it was And so then point. everyone else left, and now all the ghosts are like, well, at least there's no railroad. 
least so there's no railroad. Independence, Texas. If you're ever visiting the Bluebell Factory in Brenham, Texas, go 12 miles north. You can see the historic site of Baylor University's first campus. Yes, sir. Of Mary Harden Baylor's first campus, which that was the seminary that they, the Republic of Texas, founded. Mm-hmm. You can check that out if you want to get possessed and do an exorcism. Yeah. Also, a good place to go. Or do just that. be scared by. Uh... Just be scared by sounds. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a good place it's to go. It's a good place to go. And, I, you know, of note, at least, is let's point out that Sam Houston, Houston is named after Sam Houston. He was uh, right the first. Not like, to be confused with Sam, Texas, right. which is named after a different, different Sam. But Sam Houston was the first president of Texas, right? Yes. And then Houston, I think, was the original capital. So Houston was supposed to be, from what I think, again, Email us. Email us. At, uh, was, you guys are idiots at texas.com. I do think Houston was originally supposed to be the capital of mm. Texas, the nation. And then when we became right. Texas, the it state, Austin. Austin became the capital. Another famous Sam. And so speaking of Sam Houston, Sam Houston was a badass. Who is our Texas badass of the week? Our Texas badass of the week is... Janice Lynn Joplin. Janice Joplin's from Texas? She is. She was born on January 19th, 1943. Hey-o. And uh, she was born in Port A. That's a good spot. That's a good spot. Port Aransas for those Right, Port Aransas. Don't live in Texas, I guess. I feel like most people would hear Port A and think, oh, yeah. Port Aransas. Right. I, but, you know, they might also be like, Port Arthur's in Texas. That's but, yeah, Port Aransas. <laughs> Port Aransas. Uh, Port, Port Janus. Yeah, yeah, Port Janus. Um, actually, it is Port Arthur. Sorry. Huh. Nice. <laughs> Port A. So not Port A. <laughs> so not Port A. It is Port Arthur. Janice Oplin was born in... <laughs> I'm all over the place, man. It happens. Janice Oplin was born January 19th, 1943 in Port Arthur, Texas. Okay. Now, she went to Lamar State College of Technology in Port Arthur. Uh, she is obviously one of the rock icons. Yeah. Uh, was she, she, does it say if she was singing and all of that in this time, or did she discover her talents later? So it seems like she has all, was always singing, but she rose to fame following an appearance at the Monterey Pop Festival. Okay. Uh, she was the lead singer of a little-known band, in San Francisco, a psychedelic rock band called Big Brother and the Holding Company, okay. uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, her big, like, you know, big, one of her biggest concerts, obviously, was her Woodstock concert. Really? The yeah, original yeah. Woodstock, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Uh, at the Festival Express, let's see, she appeared at the Woodstock Festival and on the Festival Express train tour. Uh, five singles by Joplin reached the Billboard Hot 100, including... The cover of the, of the Chris Christopherson song, Me and Bobby McGee. Uh, and let's see. Freaking her most popular bangers. songs are Pieces of My Heart, Cry Baby, Down on Me, Ball and Chain, Summertime. And, are uh, those all about the same guy or are those I mean, all about different guys? I think they're all about, you know, guy. Guy. As a, as a nebulous concept. Just a heartbreaking alpha yeah. running around. Uh, and Janis Joplin, as we all know, died of a heroin overdose. Kids don't do heroin at don't the do heroin. age of 27. So Very short So she's one of the members of the 27 Club. That makes her even more of a badass. Do you right? think her ghost is in Independence? I, if anything, it's in Port Arthur. That's true. But, like, Fair. you know, I feel like ghosts can... I feel... I believe in ghosts. I think ghosts can travel. Like, I think they can go hang out in other places. I, that's... Because people always talk about... We're, this is about Janis Joplin, but just yeah, really yeah, quick. For sure. People you always make ghosts sound like they're anchored somewhere. No, no. I, I think, you know, I think... I mean, are, if they can go through walls, I'm assuming they can hitchhike. Sure. I Look, man, we only know the dimensions that we know. There's no... There, theoretically, there's an infinite amount of dimensions that things can exist in. And in some dimension, there's a version of Janis Joplin hanging out in Independence, Texas as a ghost. So, okay, Christopher Nolan. Right? <laughs> anyway, so she died at 27. Died at 27. Uh, she was, this is always fun because she had two younger siblings, uh, Michael and Laura. They attended the first Christian church of Port Arthur. And, uh, According to Wikipedia, her parents felt that Janice needed more attention than than their other children. And as a teenager, Joplin befriended a group of outcasts, one of whom had albums by uh, blues artist Bessie Smith, Ma Rainey. 
of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Nice. And Lead Belly, whom Joplin later credited with influencing her decision to become a singer. Aww. Uh, so Joplin is like super bluesy, kind of psychedelic rock. Yeah. Um, she said that as a teen, she was bullied. So she like was overweight, uh, had acne, that type of thing. And kids are, you know, as you know, kids are mean. Kids are brutal. Yeah. And they would taunt her, call her names, pig, freak, uh, creep. Yikes. Right. Um, so whenever she graduated and attended uh, college, she uh, she later attended University of Texas, although she didn't complete her college studies, it says. Uh, I love she, how it makes that note as right? if she needed to, <laughs> as if she needed to. I understand that she died young, but she was pretty successful musician for about six years there. Like, OK, she didn't finish. Whatever. Thinks she did all right. Exactly. And uh, while she was at UT, she was performing with a folk trio called the Waller Creek Boys. Ooh. Yeah, man. Uh, she did some early recordings in 1962 through 1965. Um, she got involved with the Beat Poets. Uh, she left Texas in January of 1963 just to get away, she said. Uh, she hitchhiked. You can relate to that. I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> uh, where she she eventually ended up in San Francisco in 1964. Uh, met some bandmates, you know, uh, and did all sorts of cool stuff. Started doing drugs and writing and writing amazing music. Songs. <laughs> uh, and eventually, she returned to Port Arthur. Yeah, I find that part really interesting. I I feel like, and this is something that like. I feel like a lot of famous Texans return. Right. And, and to the place that they're from. Right. Which like, is... E- even if it's not forever, for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a conglomeration of people who end up in Austin who are from Texas. You know, Matthew McConaughey being one of the most popular right now. Yeah. But there's people moving here all the time who yeah. are from Texas and just like... <sighs> something about it calls to you, you know? Like, I've, I've lived outside of Texas, and I can tell you right now... <laughs> Nothing compares to living here. Yeah, I mean, you moved back. Yeah, exactly. But I, I find, one, I think it's really cool that Janis Joplin, and I already sort of thought this, but this solidifies it. It's interesting that she wasn't a, a leech or a, a parasite's around work because that sounds negative, but she, she didn't like ride the coattail of the psychedelic rock. Right. She thing. was one of the leaders. She went to San Francisco and was a part of... Mm-hmm. That whole movement, and I think when we think of that movement, we think, oh, that was a bunch of people from California or a bunch of outcast dregs of society type of people from that area. Right. She went there on purpose and made all this awesome music and was at the forefront and played at Woodstock, and you would look at her and think, oh, that's... She must have been from there. She must have. Right. But no. No. She's Much like last week. It's it's one of those things. It's like, oh, they must have been from that California. From that vibe. No, right. they, they're from here. From here. And it's it's that ability to like take, you know, it's that Bruce Lee thing. Take, take what's useful, discard the yeah. rest. And I really do think that part of the Texas spirit is going out and adventuring um, and like Janis Joplin coming back at some point. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's just one of those things. Well, there's, I think, I think Janis Joplin is awesome. I I, I think, I think she's awesome. She is a badass, And I think there's something, again, it's very similar to last week's badass that ferocious, fierce independence, as far as choosing to pursue something that you love or pursue something that you feel called to. Yeah. Even if that takes you away from home or even if that puts you in a spot where you are more on the periphery of the culture you're from, because I'm sure she didn't exactly fit in, in Texas, especially at that time, but there's still something so Texan about choosing to, no matter what the outside is saying or what, the culture is telling you you're supposed to be to still do what you feel like you want to do. Yeah. And I don't, I just find it very fascinating that despite all of that, she still chooses to come back to at Port Arthur point, at some places. point. And obviously her, you know, her personal life was very tumultuous and, you know, anytime drug use gets involved, 
of that level, yeah. you're going to go up and down. And obviously she was with a touring band. So yeah. it's, it's not like she hung out here for the, you know, forever. But I just think it's interesting that she brought it back. Yeah. Well, and again, we have another Texan who forged the path for... Yeah, for all of us. For a whole genre of music, yeah, yeah. for a whole slew of other bands. Yeah, I mean, even today... Well, she she was among those bands that performed with Jimi Hendrix and yeah. was in that come up, mm-hmm. that whole psychedelic rock era, which was huge. I mean, you've got what Jimi Hendrix, you've got Janis Joplin, you've got the Doors, the Doors, uh, you know, name a band like Hootie and the Blowfish like wouldn't yeah. exist without. Well, without I mean, even era. I don't think you have Alabama Shakes today no, without I think you're right. Janis Joplin. I don't know if they would say we're Janis Joplin fans, but just right. but it, it's that the idea of a female front person writing the song, singing the lyrics, sure. that sound even, I don't think mm-hmm. you have that without Janis Joplin doing what she did. So yeah. just a bunch of trailblazers. Just a bunch of trailblazers, Texas, man. man. I love it. Yeah. And that's, I love doing badass. And I feel 100% certain I'll have to do corrections on some of this. And I need to start researching badasses before I read their Wikipedia entries. But uh, it is kind of fun doing it on the fly. I'm not going to lie. Dude, I mean, hey, sometimes we do it on the fly. Sometimes we will we'll, we'll have, some. have it planned. Speaking of on the fly, because I've been sick the past few days, I'm feeling better today, but still, as everyone can hear, pretty sure. sniffly. You were I was last week. Oh, it sucks. But speaking of that, because I've been sick, I haven't been able to work out or really work even as I haven't been just at my desk working or on the normal routine. And especially when you're congested, it's hard to really do anything because your face hurts. So I, for the first time in years, have just been on YouTube discovering different rabbit holes that I'm apparently into. Sure. So I wanted to ask you what, what rabbit holes you fall down, oh, but I man. also wanted to share with you the two that I apparently have. Okay, go for Cause it. I find them. I think they're funny. River monsters videos, the, From the an, show, the, the show the, of the guy yeah, catching, catching giant, giant fish. fish. Sure. Again, sounds stupid on the surface. Yeah, like in reality, it's every video is just him catching a fish yeah. that's usually normal size. Oh, dude, have you heard of noodling? Yeah, where they reach so, their hand. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. went down like a noodling rabbit hole not too long ago, <laughs> and was just watching noodling videos of these people sticking their hands in holes and pulling out and just giant pulling out catfish. a giant catfish. It, yeah, yeah. Again, it's just every clip is you know the guy's name catches giant grouper, right. giant halibut. But I still watch it, and I'm yeah. so intrigued by how big the fish is. And it's always the same, right? They're, he's like reeling in, and he's like, "Oh, it's big. Oh, it's so big. Oh, it's so oh, it's gonna be. Oh, this is so hard. big. Oh, he's a fighter. Oh, it's been he's two hours." <laughs> and it also made me realize I I love just any of those Animal Planet Discovery Channel animal shows right. where it's because now I I'm just watching the YouTube clips that sure. are five or seven minutes right. and so I'm you're still not having to watch the entire and I'm still fast forwarding to the last two minutes where he actually catches the fish dude it's amazing they were able to produce shows that that took up a, an hour right a, an hour of time that ultimately is just about like 30 seconds. Well, that's what I'm about to say is I love the the humor. It's funny to me, these shows where you're watching it because they're going to catch something or they're, they're looking for this poisonous snake that no one's seen in the daylight in 50 years. And the whole show, the whole episode is then building up to the last five minutes when they find it in the show. But you know, for a fact, they found it or he caught the fish on day two. Do you know what my favorite ones are, though? Which ones? The ones where they don't. Those are kind of fun. Those are hilarious. Those are especially during those Shark Week. Such, Shark Week is where so, those happen. Oh my god! Yeah, Shark, Shark Week. Week is always we're looking for the thirty-five foot gray white and shark. And they'll do they'll do an hour of content just like look at this shark and this shark and we're looking here and it was here last time and here's here's dun 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 and then it's like uh, we didn't find it. we didn't find it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like they they paid for the show so without the guarantee that we could find the shark. And there's always that shot at the last second of them just like looking out into the ocean 
with that like kind of stillness. And yeah, the wind and the in. the narrator's like, maybe next year right. they'll be able to find it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just it's like you might as well just do a little tear. And the funniest down. part is, I still watch it, even though oh, I yeah, think it's though, so stupid. With River Monsters, I'm sure. in I'm in the Amazon to catch the giantest piranha ever caught. And then it's 30 minutes of him, you know, like getting bit by the a water, snake, yeah, finding yeah. a spider, catching fish that aren't the piranha. Right. And then all of a sudden, the two-hour battle, oh, it's so big, and ah. Right. And then it's, it's the same thing it's every episode. Thing every it's just yeah. a big fish. It's just a big fish. But then yeah. he lets go. And then he lets it go. And exactly. Go. But for an hour, for an I'm just hour. watching him catch these fish that are bigger than most fish. Right. It's not like necessarily a rare fish. It's just a big fish. It's just fish. a bigger fish than right. most fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's one that I've been falling down. Jenny's laughing at me. She thinks it's hilarious, especially because I don't fish. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go to the like the HEB and like do a do like I'm looking for the biggest watermelon <laughs> and just like go through all the watermelon and be just like, I don't smash know them all. Just, I don't know uh, if it's the right watermelon. Literally the last one at the bottom of the pile. Oh, That's man. what it would be. So that and uh, beatboxers. I've been falling down. That's an odd one. Okay. Just falling down these rabbit holes of videos of people. And so whenever you've got content holes like this, usually you'll find like one or two that have like a bigger following. Is there yeah. are there like two or three beatboxers that have huge followings that are just like, oh, here's. Um, soundtrack to Lord of the Rings beatbox. Uh, I ha- I'm sure that exists. Yeah. I haven't seen that. There was one street for performer that mm-hmm. had a lot of videos. I don't know if it was his channel, but he had a lot of videos of him performing dubstep with, sure, his, mouth. with his mouth. Again, it's like the River Monsters thing. It's the same thing every time. It's who is the guy from Police Academy that did the mouth sounds? I do not know. Man, he was so good. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Do no, you? I don't. I'm oh, very man. lost on this uh, one. There was this comedian, and he was on a movie called Police Academy, and all the millions of follow-ups to it. But he did like crazy sound effects. Okay, and he like super realistic helicopters. Okay, and just really That's really fun. cool stuff. Well, even Justin Timberlake is a good beatboxer. Sure, yeah. There's, but again, it's it's the same. It's this guy is gonna make noises with his mouth, and you're not gonna believe how it sounds. And then you hear it, and, and you're like. like yeah, 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 it makes sense. That's cool. Sounds like you're but making a noise in the an mouth. An hour of just sure. sick me on my couch. Like, oh, I can't yeah. believe that I'm hearing Beat It by Michael Jackson come out of his oh, face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so- you're like, <laughs> every time you're like, oh, that was cool. I'm probably not going to watch another one. And then you're like, oh, but I wonder how. I wanna- <laughs> and then it's this London guy does the entire Squillix album with his mouth. And I'm right. like, well, like. I can't pass I can't, that up. I mean, okay. And then, uh, and then after an hour, I think maybe I should go back to River Monsters because right. there's a she got a bull shark this time. I gotta see that. <laughs> so those are the rabbit holes I've been falling down. So I, I mean, I, I've fallen down all sorts of weird rabbit holes. Um, not quite as like esoteric necessarily, but definitely the most recent one is um, I've never worn any type of like scent. Uh, I just like deodorant sometimes, but not, not really. So I got cologne for the first time in my life. It smells very good. Oh, thank you. Uh, but I went down this rabbit hole of like people reviewing colognes and specifically foreign women reviewing men's colognes. Oh. And it's, I don't know why I'm just so fascinated by how many different adjectives people can use to describe the way something smells. Can you give some to me? You don't have to do an accent if it's going to suck, oh, but yeah, also not, do, an do an accent if you need to. <laughs> well, there's like, there's a couple, uh, and they're all kind of variations of like Miss Fresh, Curly Scents. It's like, it, I can't even really fully explain it other than they'll like spray one and they'll, you know, they'll do the their little smell and they'll be like, oh yeah, fresh, uh, leather, uh, you know, this is like a good going out fragrance. That's so um, interesting. So this is a niche. This is a niche. It's, and, it's, and it's females reviewing, females reviewing male men's cologne. fragrances. And I think like a couple of the big ones review all sorts of fragrances. Okay. But there's specifically, and this is the fun, the fun part of it. There's specifically a, uh, like 
describe, I think it's like 20 fragrances in three minutes or like X amount of fragrances in a short amount of time. (laughs) Sounds like the jelly bean challenge. Oh dude, it's so funny because they'll just (laughs) pop it up and like, it's amazing how quickly you can be like, oh, okay, well this, this, I get really into it, like invested, like, oh, this scent smells like, I've never smelled half of these things and I'm like, oh, that's, that sucks. You don't want that. (laughs) And they'll pop one up and it'll be like, um, you know, college party boy. Uh, cool, chill dude. Um, smells like money. Like it's three words, so they're just describing oh it gosh. really fast. And uh, are they doing a double pits to chesty? <laughs> well, okay. Here's the even like even deeper. If you get into <laughs> to the the scent stuff even deeper, a lot of them are uh, they call it oversprayers. So like, oh. if you want to really do it the way these these scent connoisseurs do, you go like. Uh, I think curly fragrance does like uh, wrist, elbow, shoulder, neck, neck on each side. A spritz. A spritz. So like that is way too much. That's what I thought. But <laughs> but apparently that's like industry standard. Or like there are some smells uh, like the like the one I actually ended up with is uh, doesn't they call it projecting? Like it doesn't project. So like if I walk by you don't like you don't smell unless I'm close to you. Uh, so if you want it to project, it's you like can, a cologne leaking uh-huh. on. So other like people. they have ways that you, they have other things you can layer. Like so, you spray something first to to make it project or last longer. Dude, this is the type of hole I go down. Wow. And so like that's just the most recent one. Um, that one and cocktails, like people okay. making cocktails. To learn, or is it just a satisfaction of watching Oof. somebody? Okay. And I'm just I'm so curious about. And for me, it's it's kind of always the same. It's like, okay, here's this thing that everybody kind of knows what cologne is. Everybody knows what a, what a cocktail is. But I want to know what the weirdest, farthest out, like, as Strangest. deep as I possibly can. I want to know why, uh, you know, I want to know that vermouth is um, originally a distillation of wormwood that was... Uh, uh, that was Wormwood Latin made for, people trip, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, originally, vermouth was vermouth, and that's, like, Latin for wormwood, and it was a distillation of a wormwood some, something, and, like, it didn't make you trip or anything, but that's what it was originally flavored okay. with. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so what's uh, the strangest cocktail you've watched get made? The strangest. So there's this one dude who does, like, chemistry stuff. Okay. And so I don't know if this is like the weirdest <coughs> tasting because it's kind of a normal cocktail. But what he did is he created cocktail Tide Pods. So they were these little jellies that were like semi-suspended Seth, those liquids. Those are Jello shots. No, 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 no. It, it's if a totally, the totally different. Totally different. Is making those. Totally different. Those out. Totally different. So <laughs> like, it, it, like you could leave them out and they won't melt. They're like, they're like little bat, like little Tide Pods, oh. and they're so. He was using like so the imaginate and some other chemistry type stuff and making these just pouches and uh, it was so weird because you, you would just like pop one in and that and was it, the and cocktail. It would explode. Whoa! Because it was still liquid. It wasn't jelly. It was liquid. It yeah. just had a different uh, what do you call it um, surface tension. Oh, so it would hold itself together on the outside. It was it was cool. Like I, huh. you know, stuff like that. Uh, that was really weird. That's really weird. Yeah. That's very strange. I'm yeah. also still just, I've never fallen down the cologne rabbit hole. Oh, dude. I'll pull one up after this so you can to, see what I'm talking about. I would about. love to make a satire of this. Just watch some sure. chick spray it in her mouth. Like, <laughs> oh, it tastes like mahogany. <laughs> Buy it now. Discount yeah. code Sasha. There you go. <laughs> so those are some rabbit holes that we've been falling down. And... The other rabbit hole that we both fell down last week leading mm-hmm. into a pretty interesting watch was re-listening to all of Bo Burnham's Love him. old stuff. One of my favorite comedians of all time. Is he a comedian? Let's start there. That is a great question. He does do stand-up. I mean, it, there are parts of his show that are... Technically, he did stand-up. Right. I at this point you have to call him what an entertainer. Yeah, or is he a content creator? I well, he's not. I don't think you would call him a content creator necessarily. I think that would even fit though, him. So I don't want to like, call him that. Well, he started out doing YouTube videos. Yes, right. That's kind of how he got famous, and then he started performing in comedy clubs. Yeah, because his songs were silly and funny. 
and he got big on Vine and those types of things. So in some ways, that was his origin. But mostly, he made his bones doing tours and shows. So if if anything, he's a showman. I, a showman. He's an he's an enter- entertainer. Sure. Let's go. I'm not entertained by him. In in the in wow, the like wow, that was funny. Sense. That was great. I feel awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe like his first album. His first album, yeah, and his YouTube videos, yeah. yeah. For those listening, Bo Burnham just released his newest special, special yeah, <laughs> inside called, called Inside on Netflix. If you haven't watched it. Maybe don't <laughs> go watch it I mean, if like, you can stomach it, and I don't mean that in it because it's amazing. No, it's it really, is really phenomenal. Good. I just mean if it's not for you, I'm not gonna. If sh- it's not for you, or if you are really super affected by uh, the COVID lockdowns and things like that, it might not be for you. It really, or if you just if you don't enjoy the the holding a mirror up to sort of the dark right. side of society in general, if that's just not funny to you. If you don't like satire, Respect, totally. If you don't, if you don't like, like that, if you don't like kind of weird arty stuff, don't watch it. Don't watch it. And it's not more for you. power to you. Yeah, I just yeah. I don't want people to hear this and think, oh, right. let's go watch that go, with our oh, family. Yeah, yeah. All five uh, of our listeners. So oh, five. Thanks, mom. <laughs> anyway, so just gave me a little more context because we dove right into it. So we listened back to all of his old stuff, right? Which was great because I hadn't listened to in a long time him in a while and I, we were driving in the car mm-hmm. and we singing were playing along to words, singing words, along to words, 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 which is his second I think it's album. Second and it's the first recording of one of his standups. Yeah. And we realized he was 19 when 19. he made that. And he was a genius. Just everything that he did from the yeah. songs to the timing, to the content, a genius, a ge- absolutely genius. And then watching what and see, it's watching make happy just mm-hmm. everything gets funnier but you also watch him get more tortured oh, as man. it's it goes on it's so interesting to watch because you you feel like you're watching somebody go through a very serious identity crisis but willingly laying it out there for right. everyone to see being about as vulnerable as anybody can be yeah and and we're not even at Inside no, we're not yet. even at inside yet because after his, um, I guess it was after <laughs> Make, Happy. Make Happy, he took a five year hiatus from live performances. Yes. He, he also got off Vine and he, mm-hmm. he really got off social media. He much, disappeared. Yeah. And it was because he was having panic attacks uh, before and during shows. Yeah. Which, if you're a live performer, that's not. Bueno. That's not good. <laughs> People came to watch you probably try not to not. have a panic attack. And it's not good for you either. Like yeah, if that's, well, I mean, you know, as a society, we love watching people have meltdowns off stage. Sure. But when you're on stage, dance just, monkey dance. I right, mean, right, exactly. I paid my money. You know. Perform. I'm not paying to watch you be human. I'm paying right. to watch you not be human. Make me laugh. Uh see so see what I did there? I that's do, a little yeah. Bo Burnham humor for yeah. all you Bo Burnham fans. And but yeah, so he stepped out of the spotlight. He did make eighth grade, which, which was fantastic, super good. And he's been in a few movies. Uh, so he's still been working. Yeah, so he's working. He's acting, which um, to me tells me he's healthy-ish he's during that five-year time off of stand-up. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if if he was just right, absolutely demoralized, he would just not do anything. Out, yeah. So it was. He's made some of these appearances. And then about a month ago, he posts on his Instagram for the first time, hey, made a special, made it myself, it's coming out on Netflix, and every Bo Burnham fan on the planet, all 30,000 of us, went, yay! Went, yay! But I think all of us also had a, an under right. feeling of, what are we about to see? Mm-hmm. I Going into it, I, I knew it would be weird. And it was that. And it was definitely weird. It was definitely weird. I it, definitely laughed a lot. I, I there were there were definitely moments of incredible joy and humor. But not from him. <laughs> not exactly. There's not a moment to me, I'm gonna have to watch it again. There was not a moment throughout this whole hour and a half special where I thought he was happy. Throughout the entire thing, I I thought I was watching somebody barely hanging on. 
Yes, and I mean, I'll even confess right now, I think you had to do this too. I watched mm. it in two parts. I watched it in two I parts. I literally watched 45 minutes of it and then had to turn it off. Just, part, parts of it were hitting me way too hard. They were hitting me um, hard, and not because I maybe necessarily related, but sure. realizing this is real. The, because I going into it, I thought this I, is staged. I'm, you, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, I believe he did it by himself. I believe sure. that. He's a one-man crew. He's in this house. Yeah. What have you. But I don't think that he's... Yeah, for not one second where you like, oh, th- this is just for fun. He's not actually... <laughs> he's not actually he's on the verge of... He's not actually manically depressed. Him doing this project is not the thing keeping him alive. I did not think that going in. I thought that coming out, for sure. Ten minutes into it, I realized, oh, no, this is really... Whatever time period yeah. he did this, whether it was from the beginning of lockdown to November, whether... It w- Whatever it was, it became very clear to me and my perception of it was mm-hmm. 10 minutes into it. Oh, this is the one thing that's keeping him from actually yeah. ending it. Yeah. And that's heavy. It was real. It's heavy. And yeah. so that's heavy. And so. And that's just kind of weighing there throughout the whole thing in the background. Yeah. So like, I had to turn it off sure. after 45 minutes, even though I was laughing and I was enjoying it, just that undertone was really heavy. So. Overall, there's one takeaway. I'm talking a lot. What are some other takeaways you had from it? Man, I loved it. Um, I'm with you. I had to watch it in two parts because I I related to it too much. Um, Like part the the song about FaceTiming with his mom. Uh, (laughs) And especially the interludes where he was filming himself setting up, messing up and going again, or just little things like, putting a camera over here, playing with a light, like those moments crushed me mm-hmm. in a weird way because it, it was such an insight into the artistic process and the little things that keep you going throughout hard times. The show was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know that it's his best work necessarily or um, his most inspired, but it, it's definitely a triumph. And I think that's a good distinction because I don't think he meant for this to be no, his I, best work. Well, he says within the special, right, that he was about to start doing stand up again, about yeah. to start performing live again. And he sounded excited when he was he talking did. about he, that. He really did. He was like, he was like, went to therapy. I got over a lot of things, I think. So I was ready to start going out again and performing. And then the lockdown happened, like in, like the week I was supposed to start yeah. doing it or whatever it was. And I think that. I think part of the momentum of the show was this built up desire to express this need to be seen coupled with an inability to be heard, understood. And it's such a microcosm of trying to understand what it means to be a performer or an entertainer wherein there's this weird... People call it a hole, and it it does feel that way to me sometimes, but it's this indescribable urge to express something, and not even necessarily to be understood, just to to be heard and have an effect, to be able to observe an effect. Yeah. To the masses in a way, right? To an audience, to... Whether it's an audience of one or an audience of one million, to have some type of measurable impact whether it's to make them laugh or to make them think or whatever, if you have that urge and it can't be let out, it is so incredibly debilitating. Yeah. Like it, it, it cripples you. And I found it fascinating to watch somebody wading through that miasma of mm-hmm. inability to be heard. Yeah. What do you think for him? It's also a double-edged sword yeah. because... My perception is he has that. He has that. Mm-hmm. I want to make this known. I want to make this scene. I want to have an impact on people. Mm-hmm. That's also my least favorite part of myself. Yeah. Oh, it, well, for him, it seems I was, like I was getting there. He's so judgmental about himself. And I think I don't think that's unique to him. I think a lot of performers and entertainers are super judgmental and, and afraid that they aren't good enough. Um, it's that validation seeking thing. Yeah. Like, what if I can't get validated? What does yeah. that mean? If that's my identity, then I'm nothing. Yeah. So there's that constant fear of being nothing. Mm-hmm. And yet you have to create. You yeah. have to say something. And and it's um, especially with Bo Burnham, who seems to be so self-hating. 
Very self-hating. Yeah, for for a multitude of different reasons. Well, there's there's some subtle parts, and there's ways that he picks at that on himself. On in himself. the special, there's the part where he's doing the uh, live stream mm-hmm. uh, reaction. Right. The reaction to the reaction it, to the reaction. I, it was one of the last ones. It was that fourth frame. Sure. He says, oh, here I'm, you know, being self-deprecating because I did something that I hate, but instead of letting somebody else... Pick that apart, I beat them to the punch, which is really just a self-defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. He, Yeah. And I think, at the end of the day, I think what I loved most about the special itself was it was honest the whole way through. The whole way through, yeah. And at the end of the day, when it comes to art, whatever we want to throw into that camp, right? As long as it's honest, right? I'm probably going to love it. Yeah. Even if I disagree with it, even if I maybe didn't enjoy it just surface level, in a way, I think you're right. That is the most honest, and I think people in general, the second they feel somebody's lying, they shut off. So it's that honesty that you know a lot of people will call it bravery, and it, it is brave to be honest because you you do risk people not liking it. Yeah, but at the end of the day, that's what art is 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 that open, honest vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Now, do you? I'm interested what you think this, if anything, has to do on a greater scale of examining what it means to be a performer today or even just a person today. Uh, Performer first. In what way? Because I think there's in one way, Bo's interesting because he is Logan Paul. Yeah. In the sense that he came to fame through the same way, the same way, you know, more or less. He's... Because I think at this point, different completely different direction and completely different people, of course. I'm right. more making the point that he's still a part of the YouTube Vine right. generation as far as people who came to fame in this different, more content creation way. Well, because Logan Paul is your age. That makes me sad. And his younger brother is 24. Yeah. Uh, and then Bo Burnham is my age. Yes. He uh, he turned thirty during the filming of the special, which, which was, was one of the saddest parts of the entire. Oh man, that was that was so. Oh, oh my god, it was brutal! It was brutal. Uh, but to your point, that that whole generation has this fame is accessible. Yes, and so I think there was a part of this, and I don't think this was a goal of his, but mm-hmm. he still showed, hey, this Netflix special thing right. or this. We're to the interpretation part of the, uh, yeah, of the review. Of, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I did get a sense of he's showing us in real time that mm-hmm. anyone can do this yeah. if they, if they do it, if they do it, if they just turn the camera on, if they just write the song, if they just say the joke, whatever sure. it is, he did show us anyone can do this. Not even, he maybe had a better shot at it because sure. he has the experience with YouTube. Right. He's edited videos before. Probably already had a contract with Netflix. Probably, but I think he still showed us, oh, like there's a way to do this professionally sure. and do it well. Yeah. So I think from the performance side, he showed that. He also definitely sort of redefined what a comedy special can be in a way, in some right? Ways, because sure. even. I mean, seventies, eighties. There have been experimental comedy specials for sure, so but I, I, I just mean, think seventies, eighties. We had tapes. You know, sure. Richard Pryor records a special. Records, it's yeah, on a yeah. tape. Then we had CDs. Then you put out an album. I mean, dude, I, I have a Steve Martin comedy record on vinyl, which I'm sure is hilarious. Yeah, and, and it's always a set. It's always this is right. This the is set. me talking to this a is crowd. me in a city in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. Here's my set. He showed us you can literally do this in front of nobody. Right. And still make it funny. It's definitely a different kind of funny. Definitely a different kind of funny. But, I I mean, I can see John Mulaney finding a way to do that in rehab or something. Sure. Maybe that was a bit of a weird shot at John Mulaney, but... He's out now. He is out now, but I... But you know what I mean? I can see someone like him or Chad Daniels doing doing some sort of special that's not... When comedians especially are always taking shots like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Andrew Schultz did the uh, Instagram turn your phone thing that turned yeah. into the Netflix special. And that was, I mean, that was to nobody. That was to no one. That was to nobody. I mean, that and was, that was maybe the best comedy special of 2020. I mean, those little bits were amazing. They were thrown together really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, they worked unbelievably hard on those. Yeah. 
And I feel like that's the same thing that we've got here. Just one person instead of a team. Yeah. With a different angle. Yeah. So, yeah, from the performance side, I think he just showed us what's possible as one person. Sure. And then from the people side, I think he just did, to me, sure. he just did an excellent job of, of even within his own self-torment, sort of holding up a mirror to what even he's doing is or what performance mm-hmm. is, what entertaining is, what the digital space is. I just, I thought it was interesting. Some of the jokes he made or some of the commentary he did on just the effect that our eyes on a screen are, is going to have, or is having on not just him, but really just humanity. I mean, that's part of what made it brutal, but it was also part of what made it honest. It's part of what made it palatable in that way. So one, I think definitely reflected a lot of our experiences throughout COVID. Yeah. Uh, you know, different people have different experiences, but there's definitely something in there that we can relate that anybody can relate to on some level. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, the white girl Instagram or the Which was, FaceTiming with my mom. <laughs> every, every song was funny. Every song, every was, song funny was funny on some level on some level. But yeah, I, I think, I think on the people side of it, it definitely highlighted a unified sense of loneliness. Yeah. That and isolation. Yeah. That these things can create, you know, um, I, I loved that ending where he walks out and there's a spotlight on him Yeah, and he can't get back in. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that. I thought that was really clever. Um, it kind of a reverse Truman show type thing. And was that, cause I see kind of where you're going. Do you think that was him saying, this is what I'm having to step into making this art? Or was that him saying, this is what we're all going to have to step into? I feel like it's both. Yeah. I feel like it really expressed the the sense of needing to be free and then the fear when you are with that just oh now i'm here no oh, crap here. oh crap what do i do what do i do i want to go back I in go back just in, yeah. i want to go back into my little hole I mean, and you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube like it's that yeah. thing of well now i'm here but i'm i'm not used to it it's different it's, yeah and it's not what i thought it would be mm-hmm uh, so for those reasons, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, even though I did have like, again, I had to watch it in two parts, <laughs> watch it in two parts. parts of it disturbed me, parts of it made me laugh, but that's kind of my favorite kind of art. It's, um, I mean, it was brutal that I think that's the best way to describe it. It is brutal. beautifully brutal, beautifully brutal on that note. <laughs> what was maybe your favorite funny part, favorite song since we've gone, we've gone down the, Oh yeah. We've gone down the, the deep like, parts oh, of this whole special. Yeah. Cause like definitely Bo Burnham wants two idiots dissecting, two idiots his, dissecting his depth. <laughs> he stepped in the spotlight. Right. I'm just saying I'm reacting to him, reacting to him, reacting to him, reacting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. Uh, my favorite bit. I really was just not expecting white girl Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the commitment to the, to the dress and the pose and the like, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop laughing. That was that song. I laughed the whole way, the whole through. way, th- the whole way through. So freaking funny. So funny. Speaking of commitment, can we just comment really quick on his commitment to use his body for comedy in this yes. special? Oh, absolutely. When he puts, okay, maybe the, the my favorite, cut, like, just one single frame is when he shoves the sport bottle into his belly button. <laughs> <laughs> so unexpected. It's so unexpected. So, so gross. So <laughs> gross his happy trail is poking out (laughs) and i appreciate that he progressively got weirder weirder with the nudity as the because first it was him shirtless and then it was him him. in briefs and then it was him in underwear and then it was him naked at the piano right and his body is just so weird to look at but i appreciate that he committed to it and used it yeah in a I, way I love that, that he just like let his hair go and just dude. just let it all hang out mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. That white white girl Instagram was funny. I really liked, even though it was disturbing, but what it led into when he is laying on the pillow mm-hmm. and the microphone is Yeah, right, right next to him. And I'm honestly there some of those parts I'm still trying to figure out. Was that raw? Was he really so depressed he was laying on the ground, or did he know that doing this to lead into this next thing will make it Funny was it both? I think it's art imitating life and imitating art. Like I, 
Hard to say. Hard to um, say. But he's laying on the pillow and the microphone is like, hey, yeah. You know, maybe we shouldn't let our children decide who they are based on what other people say on social media and Instagram. You know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that. I mean, he's kind of going on this monologue sure. talking about some pretty in-depth things that I agreed with everything he was saying. But then there's a pause and he just goes, I'm horny <laughs> then it goes into <laughs> it goes sexting into and yeah. just that transition was funny and yeah i just thought that was hilarious even the first song mm-hmm. where he has the pencils yeah in his teeth and his ears and he's just scribbling stuff and going crazy in front of us yeah it's just a great special just a great special i do want to know what was that airbnb message like <laughs> I mean, dude, that that was probably just his back house. Like, I, you know, maybe there is a part of me because of the way he looked so big. Uh huh. Was it a set? No. So we believe fully that he was in a house by himself mm-hmm. for a long time. A long time. I don't think that he was in that house for the whole year only. Okay. I, I think that for the whole filming process, though, for the whole right? filming process, I mean, who knows? Um, he might have been artists do weird shit like that. That's also true. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix pretended to be a rapper for over a year while Casey Affleck filmed them. Uh, full commitment. Full too. commitment. Full yeah, commitment. Yeah. That's a good point. I just I've had moments as I'm getting further away from it where I think. Was it a set? Was this could have been? I don't think it was, but scripted. I don't think it was. I but mean, I think it was. I think it was scripted for sure. I, yeah, I think it was planned. Um, but that's kind of the the trick, right? That's the magic of of Hollywood and the magic of things like this. Is you can script something and it can still be honest. I think that's a good way to end that part of the conversation. <laughs> there you go. Hey, happy to put it. Happy to put a button on it. Happy to put a button on it. If you haven't watched it and you can stomach it, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. If if you can't, more power it to seem you. Like your cup of tea, like no big deal. Don't watch it. Look, he's not from Texas, so like you have no you have obligation. No obligation as our listeners. I would love to know what your YouTube rabbit you. holes are, though. So if you could send an email, leave a comment. Leave a review. Let us know what rabbit holes you fall down. Because maybe we'll fall down with you. Maybe we'll fall down with you. No flat earthers. No, uh, oh, one. I'll give okay. space for one. One, one okay. flat earther. That's fair. Everybody's welcome. Okay. I actually saw him. Tell me about it. I so again, anyone who has listened up to this point, we will do land this sightings. Is our fourth episode, this is our way. fourth episode. We will do land sightings every single forever. forever. It will be a they thing. They will never stop. If you can't tell up to this point, they're not real. They're not real. They're not real stories. It's just us having fun. Still, send us your land sightings. We want to hear them. However, however, I actually saw him today. Tell me about it. <laughs> I'm really glad we had the Tom Segura thing. Mm-hmm. This the, I'm glad we already I, have the I context. Like Tom Segura thing prepared you for this. Well, I feel like just the context that listeners have of sure. when I see famous people, I'm apparently the idiot that says things. Right. I'm sorry. Tom Segura, Anders Holmes. Anders Holmes. Laird Hamilton, I did not say anything to. I just want to point that out. Oh, fair, fair. But I'm on a run, and me and my lovely wife, Jenny, we live sort of out by Lake Travis. And so if I run on the roads out there, it's sort of hard to just run around the neighborhood. I have to run around the neighborhood, but there's this hill that goes up to a gated community up at the top of the hill. And there's a lot of cyclists that ride their bike on this road. It actually is a road that Lance used to ride a lot when he was training for Tour de France, when he was... Excuse me, one of the top cyclists in the world. Yeah. And so I'm running up and down this hill doing some hill repeats earlier. And I see this cyclist huffing and puffing up the hill toward me. And I had a vague moment of now. It's not him. But he was pretty gangly. Wearing wearing a yellow jersey. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was wearing a yellow jersey. And I'm getting closer, and I'm thinking, no, no way. And sure enough, I get close enough, and it's Lance Armstrong. So what do you say? I'm running. He's coming up the hill. And I didn't think I didn't 
I saw red. You, you know? just reacted. I'm just reacting. I see Lance Armstrong. I'm running towards him. I get in earshot as we're about to pass each other. And I say, tour to Lance, huh? And he says. And he says, forever and always. And just keeps riding. <laughs> yes. And it wasn't until I was 10 yards further down that I realized, wait, what did I just say? I said tour to Lance, huh? And he just immediately responded, forever and always. And just kept cycling. Just kept going. Which, like he gets it all the time. And literally, it begs the question, does he get that so much? I feel like he's got to have just like a, a cachet of responses <clears throat> ready to go. And I'm guessing since I didn't insult him, it wasn't anything vulgar or life-threatening. Yeah. Because I didn't mean it. I didn't even mean it sarcastically. I just meant, run your bike, huh? Which is like telling an elephant they're blowing water out their snout. Like, oh, sure. doing what you doing do. Doing what you do. Huh? So stupid, but... I feel like Lance pedals in his sleep. He probably does, honestly. But, yeah, that, I actually saw him. He was wearing a yellow jersey. Mm-hmm. And I said, tour to Lance, huh? Forever and always. Forever and always. And he just kept going up the hill. It there was, you go. It was awesome. He was very nice in that situation. Yeah. I know that he has been a horrendous human in, in all our, the other times past. that we have seen him. Mm-hmm. He was very kind in this situation. Oh, yeah. So you saw him earlier this week, though, right? I did, but I think we should save it for next time. Save it for next time? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, again, if you guys see Lance... He's always on a bike. He's always on a bike. No matter where you are. Even if he's driving. He might have a yellow jersey on. He might not. Say what's up to him. Tell us what you saw. Tour to Lance. Send it into lancesightings at gmail.com. And if it's good enough, we might share it with everybody else. Yes, we might. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode. Thank you for listening, for real. Anyone who is actually listening, we will <laughs> keep... Anybody who made it all the way through this one, congratulations. Congratulations. We will keep <laughs> making these because the we're having a blast. And if you're in Texas, keep listening. Share it with other Texans. Share it with non-Texans. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.